I see something that's like, well, is that? I, I always yeah. ask the question now. How can you not? It's like, well, that sounds weird. Yeah, I'm the same way. If anything just doesn't seem quite right, it's like you got to do that or there's like shit out there. Even if you were in a red state and you saw that, you'd have to go. No, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> oh, by the way, uh, no more go go daddy. Any? Uh, yes. Not that they're gone forever, kids. But our oh, uh, no, that's just one of those things. Yeah, and we're recording now, so all right. So I just wanted to make sure you got that message, Dan. Okay, uh, Okay. so Fred, Dan's got some production that we're going to be uh, doing here. Uh, there's going to be some cross-fading. <laughs> I, w- <laughs> I want you to know. Well, why do you have to talk? Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to uh, foreshadow. Well, I, didn't, I have to. It was like foreshadowing. No, I know, but I'm nervous now because I don't have a oh, mouse. Oh. Well, so I I'm, it's, it's, more, it's more difficult. Oh, I see what I can do. I can actually... All right, Freddie, you ready for this uh, cool thing that we're going to do now? Fred's not. Ready to go. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. I wasn't looking at him. Was, what, did he not no, get them? Fred's on his... Oh, no, Fred's no. I was just finishing. I just was making another note here. I'm yeah, sorry. man. But are you Fred's ready now it. for this great mm-hmm. production that Dan's... Boy. I can't wait. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Fred's on a seven-second delay. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> That's funny, too. All right, Dan. Uh, all right, Dan, I know if I'm uh, ready for you. Let me make sure that's... Okay, that's ready. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to ruin the surprise, Dan. It's okay. Yeah. Okay, we're all ready now. Yeah. Here we yeah. go. This episode of Humble and Fred is being broadcast to the world from Humble and Fred Studios in Brampton. Toronto and the western shores of Shimong Lake and is brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, and Health Gauge. And now here are two men whose serious documentary that reveals the dark side of the Easter Bunny will be released soon. It's called Dark Side of the Easter Bunny and goes down the rabbit hole of backroom egg deals, the never-ending chocolate wars between Santa's elves and Bunny's chicks, child laborers coloring eggs behind locked doors, and what it's like to always be on the lam, sneaking into people's homes. Yes, the bunny is real. And now, see what the bunny's really like. From Humble and Fred Investigates, it's Humble and Fred! Wow. And then I faded it back in. <laughs> Sorry. That was great, Dan. I apologize for the uh, the dark music delay. I just couldn't quite get... If I only I had a mouse. <laughs> that was great, Dan. Dan, okay. that was great. That was great, Morning. Dan. Morning. Dan Duran, that was a wonderful effort. Dog, God damn it. Wonderful effort, Dan. <laughs> Dan, that was wicked, Dan. Dan. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hey, that's called going the extra mile, Dan. Right there, yeah. Mm-hmm. Dad was damn good, Dan. Damn was goddamn good, mm-hmm. Dan. Uh-huh. Danny, Dan. Thank you. Um, <sighs> this is going to be interesting today. Ken Pompey is the father of two sons who successfully made it into the major leagues of baseball. I don't know what the odds are. I don't know. You know, you guys were talking about this guy last week. Um, not you guys, you and Boone. Uh, Dan, this guy is uh, um, Ken Pompey is his name And two of his kids got into The major leagues, which I find uh, I don't know, It's pretty interesting that 
I don't know how often that happens. Anyway, he's got a, a new coaching app, and uh, it's called Palm Sports. We're going to talk about how you can uh, hook up with different coaches and different sports, and uh, I don't know. What? Nothing, I won't say. No, no, say. No, no. Oh, is it too uh, off color? <laughs> <laughs> it's P-O-M. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> That's right. If you're looking for palm coaching. Oh, okay. oh I see. That's oh, P-A. You're thinking P-A-L-M. Yeah. You weirdo. God damn. Uh, hey, when I think of Pompeii, too, my son right now is in Naples, Italy. Yes. And before he went, I said, if you get the chance, you know, hop over to Pompeii, the city, the buried city of Pompeii. In Mount uh, Vesuvio, uh, Vesuvio, I believe it is. It's just a wonderful day of history. Mm. Uh, you ever have the opportunity? So when you said Pompeii, that's what I thought of. And it was it had recent history for me because mm. I had that conversation mm. the day before yesterday with my boy. Yeah. Well, you just watched the movie. <laughs> <laughs> and by the way, yes. in that ruined city, there was like a theater that they uncovered. You know, one of those old ancient theaters. Sure. And uh, I sang a song for the crowd because of the acoustics. Oh, that's right. Oh, I yes, remember, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, I remember. I've seen that and, movie. Yeah. And the woman said, would somebody like to sing? And of course, everybody was afraid. And I mm. just jumped up, of course. Of course, I wanted to sing. So I belted one out, and it did sound pretty neat. So just a little uh, history. Little yeah, that's history a great there. story. I mean, yeah. you've gone from, uh, you know, our, uh, <laughs> our guests, you know, Major League Baseball to uh, you singing in Pompeii. And me playing Pompeii in the song Bastille. But That's if you song. close your eyes, does it almost feel like After you finished at uh, Pompeii, did you go and make your Pompeii? <laughs> did it? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'll bet you did. Uh, Daniel, you tell me that uh, the. Uh, this was, in, I, you know, Dan is an interesting character because he's saying, oh, the lake was up three inches overnight. And I thought, oh, how do you know that? I thought, is there like an official? <laughs> Dan, Dan just came back nonchalantly. Oh, I used my finger. Yeah, I stuck well, my finger. Well, how do you know which, which finger tells you that? And I don't want to get into a, see, if it were three inches up, then Fred and I could just use, you know, mm-hmm. our weenies. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so really, you just asking this question just to no, no cock choke, cocky. Okay, no, actually, no. I was, uh, I'm actually curious. That is, I just thought there'd be a more scientific answer than I use my fingers. Well, to help you out, the uh, this lake is one of the lakes. It's on the Trent Severin Waterway. And which is a canal system, and they regulate the levels of the lake all the way down into Lake Ontario, which also helps control the level of Lake Ontario. In the spring, it's and over the winter, they let the the lakes drain down so that in the spring, all the water can fill up the lakes. And they regulate that. You guys were talking about them opening a dam or something. There's dams all along the system. Okay. The uh, the water. So some when the water's low, they'll bring the the level of the dam. Like the dam, they'll close it down, put more logs in the dam. Mm-hmm. Literally, what they do. And uh, then do they uh, use the? Do they enlist the aid of beavers in this endeavor? In logging the dam? dam kind of operation. Oh, okay. No. I don't know. I don't know. Listen, I don't know your world. Technical equipment that does this. Is it the and same technical equipment that you use to measure the <laughs> <laughs> the lake depth? 
But Dan, where you are, isn't the dock, it stays in all winter, doesn't it? Or does it come out? No, people lift their docks out of here. They're all on. No, but at the the place you're staying. Yeah, she left it in and probably wouldn't be a good idea. Well, you can see there by the level of the water, just against the dock. yeah, yeah. For sure, yeah. I mean, the lake has risen a little bit since the melt. As right. Things, things started melting. But yeah. well, overnight last night, it went up about three inches because obviously they're filling the system up now. It's crazy, man. Once, the, once it starts to go out, how quickly it does go out, it literally sinks below yeah. the surface. With the ice. And then melts. Yeah. Well. Oh, for, for uh, me, it was on Friday. Friday morning, there was ice all across this lake, and then this big wind came up on Friday and blew the entire ice pack uh, towards, uh, well, to north from where I am, mm-hmm. and it was gone. And well, where it just it doesn't it doesn't go out to sea; it it melts and then sinks, is what you're saying to me. Yeah, it just sort of disappears. I mean, if there was no wind, it would just sort of get more watery on top. And then, uh, well, I'll like, tell you, if it hadn't melted today, it would it's 17 degrees is what. They're saying today is going to be, and this is going to drive you crazy, because tomorrow will be 22 degrees, and by Saturday, they're saying like 9 degrees, snow rain showers on Saturday, 7 on Sunday, holiday Monday 6, snow <laughs> snow, and rain when we come back on Tuesday. That's about right. Yeah. So that's great. Yeah. Well, the next three days are nice, and then, you know, good Friday. Yeah, but why couldn't a the next three day days be... Lord. Why couldn't the, <laughs> the dark day? Why couldn't the next three days be the Saturday, Sunday, Monday days? That's a good question. That's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> because the weather doesn't care about the day. No, it doesn't, Dan. You're right. The days of the week. Danny, turn your mic up a little bit. All right. Just turn that thing up. Okay. So 22 uh, tomorrow, 17 today, and then after that, Thursday's not bad, 15 degrees. Mm-hmm. It's it's so bizarre, our obsession with weather. I mean, really, weather on a podcast is just something that really, I'm not too, I'm not sure too many people do. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> I'm sure there's a lot of things. You know what, there's a lot of things we do on this that I'm sure very few people do. But, Honestly, you can't help but be aggravated by that. But this is why I'm bringing it up. There's nothing you can do about it. Well, there's nothing you can do about okay, it. Okay, why don't you go back and listen to yesterday's show where you were really the opposite of this, you know, new, this <laughs> oh, new no, no, calm. No, 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 no. I'm not, I'm not singling anyone out. Collectively, we're obsessed with weather. Hey, yeah. so tomorrow is 21. Yeah. Do you have a tea time tomorrow? No, I actually, I'm, I'm playing today, but after the, I'm too busy the rest of the week. You're too busy for golf? Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Wow. Uh, you know, well, I have to do <laughs> Part of the thing I'm busy with is uh, tomorrow after the show, I have to do a golf show. I'm doing the uh, Swing Thoughts podcast. Mm-hmm. And then the rest of the day, I'm busy. And then tomorrow night, I'm taking Spencer out for dinner. So and where would that be? Where am I taking her? Mm-hmm. I'm taking her to someplace special called uh, Bar Isabel. And the reason I'm taking her, Fred is because she and I both have passed six years of being sober. And I said to her, I said, hey, when we get to our six, let's do something special this year. And, you know, so I'm taking her out. So I will not be golfing tomorrow. I can't call her up and go, hey, can we postpone this? Is she not like a vegetarian or a vegan or whatever? No, not anymore. Oh, she's not? Oh, okay. 
She so passed was, through that. I was I was wondering if you um, were going there because of the fair. No, actually, then another one, another option that was on the table was uh, I was going to take her to a big steak place. <laughs> it's so funny. They've gone from uh, I don't eat meat to like I'll eat anything. I guess that Isn't all that kids. Funny? I know. I think all kids do that. It's a, a phase. It's well, a some phase. of it's so a phase. It, is there any significance to bars? Uh, no, uh, Spencer just, picked oh, okay. it. We're just all looking right. for some place a little, you know, a little bit yeah. different, a little bit cool, and uh, you know, not inexpensive. I know when it, when you are when you become vegetarian and then you end up giving it up like so many do. You just you gotta think back. Think, how many good steaks did I miss? Like, how many times could I have enjoyed, you know, a good roast of beef? And I said, no. Yeah, well. I can never have that time back. Uh, yeah, well, what am, well listen, I, I did it for 14 months, and then the day that I stopped doing it was because I was at a golf tournament, and they were serving, there was a smoked meat bar, and I'm like, all right, okay, <laughs> you got me, you got me meat, you sucked me back in. Mm-hmm. It was so good. Although I was a little, it took me a while to get used to it again. But I, yeah, I, I've got one friend who, you know, became a vegetarian in his early twenties or whatever, and mid twenties, and is still a vegetarian today. Mm-hmm. And that's been his lifestyle for forty years. But most people, I'm not. I shouldn't say most people. A lot of people go through it, try it out. Well, I'm going through a phase now. It's like I Are refuse. <laughs> I am not eating beef. I am not eating beef. Why is that? Absolutely. Well, what oh, about I've all the beef of, you could have made? Oh, I've done a lot of research, Howard, in that beef. It's not good for you. I refuse to eat beef. It do has you nothing really? nothing to do with the price. It has nothing to do with the price. <laughs> it's strictly, it's, uh, you know, additives and uh, oh, yeah, hormones right. and Nitrates. all that kind of shit. That's why. Yeah. Yeah. You're doing a bit now, right? Yeah, of course he's doing a bit. <laughs> yeah, what do you do? It's part of his, uh, his journey. Of but a, it's all bullshit because it's like, what about all the meat roast beef you didn't eat? <laughs> I, when I get to the grocery store, I just go right by the beef counter now. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I, listen, I don't eat uh i'm trying to think of the last time i made like i've been we've talked about this i I'd much rather have pork chops i made pork chops for you didn't i yeah yeah i'd did. rather have they're them. very good yeah. well I, they're thank you but i find them just easier not to screw up i'm not that they're great i just find that i the the cooking part i i find it easier to cook i think the flavor is as good if not better and they're you know a third of the price Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's for in these days, it's like we should have a steak or a new big screen television. One of the- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's, that's right. true. But I, I want more. I don't know that. I mean, I don't know. I think it's part of the novelty's worn off. And I, I, I say that. And I mean, I love nitrates. I love all things smoked and deli meats and pepperettes. I'd like to eat all that. But part of the noom thing is that I, I've just sort of taken that out of my diet for the last three months, and I've kind of gotten used to not having it. And that's not to say I wouldn't have it ever again, but I ate a lot of, last summer, I ate a lot of beef jerky. You know, I ate a lot of pepperettes. And it does something to your stool. <laughs> yeah. Please, it's, please elaborate. It's not good for your stool. We want to know. Well, I'll just tell you, it's not great for that, Dan. Got it. It can bung you up. Right, but it's good on a golf course, I suppose. It is, actually. A little, uh, little, uh, you know, something like that. So what is the price of beef now that you're, uh, like, I don't have any um, comparable? Well, it's just crazy. I'll, you know, for like a couple of rib steaks at Sobeys last summer, 
I don't know, might have been twenty three, twenty four dollars. Now it would be close to forty. Like it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like it's right, right over the top. And uh, you just you, you have to wonder, like people are going to stop buying it. What's that going to do to the price? It should lower it, but. The I know biggest, the, beef, the beef supply chain is quite complex, so uh, maybe not. And from everything I've read, the uh, the farmers aren't uh, aren't getting the money out of this. It's the middlemen that are that are really uh, getting at the slaughterhouses and whatever from there on in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> farmers are re- like if you there's some documentaries out there you can listen to about farmers and how they're getting screwed over by the uh, by the big uh, the big meat packers. But but guys, long ago. I realized if I went into a place like Sobeys and I got a couple of steaks that, you know, were on the white, you know, the white styrofoam was with cellophane over them and they were just the basic Sobeys steak, they were expensive um, and not very good. But if mm. you go and buy their, you know, they, they call it their silver brand or their gold stamp, you know, the higher grade beef. Oh, yeah. When you cook it, it's that much better. But the price is like that much higher. So actually, to get a good steak, you just—it's not you don't you just don't buy a steak. You have to go and buy a quality cut, and the price of those are like like it's just astronomical. Yeah, I agree. I, I mean, here's the thing: I mm-hmm. you know, the odd time we do have steak, I don't get it from Sobeys. I'll get it from a place like Row Farms, or and so you should. Yeah, but a, a place like a butcher. Um, couple places around here there's a place on royal york the point i'm saying is that it's already expensive when you go and do that in my experience i don't cook it well enough to to make it make the difference of spending an extra like i've i've bought some steaks that were 30 dollars or 35 Mm dollars in one of those stores and it makes me i'm be honest i make i get a little nervous i'm i always undercook it rachel said that i i tend to undercook it because i'm afraid to overcook it and to be honest with you the flavor isn't that much better I, i can't appreciate it well it's it's usually the tenderness that you can notice the difference in a in a in a better cut I mean, that's my experience. If you get, like, there's a place my uh, uh, buddy Darren sends me. And last year, I bought a steak at T-Bone. It was $35. I thought, oh, this will be a treat. That same steak now would be 50 No questions asked. But I'll tell you, the result was there. It was corn-fed and all blah, blah, yeah, blah, yeah. all this stuff. And it was a beautiful steak. But as I said, it was one T-Bone, $35. Sizable. But it was it was quality. But you had to pay for it. Now, yeah. Well, again, I well, this type of the I would pay a much less for pork chops and not worry that I'm going to screw them up. Mm-hmm. You know, um, hey Dan, I know you're going to go here in a second. Dan's news is coming up, but Dan, yeah, where you know we're from Western Canada. We are, and Edmonton Steve just said because uh, we he heard us talking about the weather. On oh, this yeah. podcast, because we're streaming on Facebook. And all he said was, he just sent me a text. Um, he says, check out Winnipeg. <laughs> and, uh, so I'm looking at the Weather Network forecast for Winnipeg, and there's a red banner across winter storm warning. Hazardous winter conditions are expected today. Major spring storm poised to wallop. They're actually using the word wallop. Southern Manitoba. <laughs> So they're they're high today. I don't know what is their high today, Howard. Minus four feels like minus eight. Tomorrow's forecast just says 
blizzard. (laughs) (laughs) Their next three days. Think about this. We're complaining like, oh, it's going to be nice today, but then not as nice the next few days. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, blizzard, snow, light snow. Saturday minus four, Sunday minus four, Monday minus two, Tuesday minus two, but mainly sunny. So, you know, we don't have it too bad here. Well, the same thing's happening in Calgary. They've got some, um, like, minus uh, five degree weather with flurries today. See? <laughs> See? It's pretty you know good what, here. You, you know what's interesting as well? Yes, tell me. This is very interesting. I too. can't wait. It's really interesting. <laughs> Just driving in the city, around the city on Saturday, I noticed the the lawns are actually greener there than they are here in Brampton, like north of Highway 7. And I've put my fertilizer down. Mine are just starting to green up a bit. But I was, it's interesting how the city, you know, holds the warmth a little more for whatever reason or the lake effect, whatever that is. Yeah, I think the lake. Down in Niagara, the peninsula, apparently grass is starting to grow from what I understand. It's just interesting, Mm -hmm. the phenomenon, the different, you know, just in that close proximity, the difference in uh, growth and vegetation. Well, where well, I was, isn't that interesting? It is I can't listen. I'm going to write. Yeah. Let me write. Let your. Let me write you a note because it's been fascinating so far. But see, that's the type of stuff I notice, Howard. That you wouldn't know. I did notice it. Okay, I'm sorry. You noticed it. I noticed because okay. I was. I was going to say, Dan. Before I just jump in, I was at my golf course yesterday, and that you know we're all remarking on what the course looks like and did it winter well and what kind of shape the grass is in and and I was. Uh, I I don't really notice the difference between here and there but i did notice that it's pretty it's it's growing pretty nicely for the what was it yesterday the 11th of april and the the grass seems to be coming and it's not super green yet but it's coming it's still a little bit um patchy you know wintery you know i look i look forward to spring and summer but it brings with it some stress if my lawn isn't the way I like it, it bothers me on a daily basis. Doesn't. Once we do our planting and our flowers, like, you know, my begonias, you know, are they as robust or are they vibrant as they should be? Well, that is a concern. Strong? Do they look strong? Yeah. And if they don't, I fuss over them and sometimes or you maybe overfeed them and set them back and You see, all the time you're spending thinking about that. You're right. not thinking about your golf swing, which is why when you go out, it's, you know, <laughs> see, think about all the time you're worrying about your begonias. I'm thinking about my backswing. Dan, no, I know. What I did know. you want to say before we uh, I cut you off there, Daniel? Oh, I was just going to say uh, to this weather point. I yes. Mean, when we grew up out west, don't forget that April was not a month that we were seeing a whole lot of green lawns or anything like that. And, and if you look at a map, it's always astonishing if you just look how, how far south we are compared to the rest of Canada. I know. You know, in this, this southern point of Ontario. Well, listen, so, you were even north of me. Like, you know, growing up around Edmonton, you know, for you people who don't know Western Canada, uh, Edmonton is sort of an eight-hour northwest drive from Moose Jaw, and Moose Jaw is a couple hours from the U.S. border, but it's still way north of here. You know, I've told you this. You know, our golf season in Moose Jaw was basically sort of late May to late September. You know, some courses around here have been open for a couple of weeks. Most of the courses in the clubbing system will be open by, you know, sometime next week. Like, this season is way longer. Yep. All right, Daniel. Uh, any news uh, we can look forward to uh, 
coming up on the uh, Dan Duran News later? Not yet, but uh, I'm still right. uh, at the assignment desk. We're, uh, we're working it through right now. All right. Okay. Uh, I got something I think Fred's going to really enjoy here, and it's not uh, comedy. It's not... Uh, it's just an interesting... Uh, I found it fascinating, and, and I think you will, too. But first, let's acknowledge a couple of the fine people that help bake this program each and every day. My Oh, and by the way, tomorrow... Are you going to do... I'm not sure if you're doing the Sherpa now, but we have a... Yes. Well, tomorrow, speaking of golf, uh, retirement Sherpa had a breakthrough moment, and we'll be talking to him about that tomorrow on this program. Really? Because yes. I, was, I was talking to him yesterday. Oh, did he tell you? No, well, no, here's what happened. Here's what I got. So I called him about a, another issue. And while, uh, and while we're talking, he said, hey, you caught me on the golf course. He says, I'm having, I'm uh, crafting quite a round here right mm-hmm. now, and you've interrupted me. And I said, well, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'll let you go. And he said, no, no, no. He said, I'm half kidding, but I'm having a very good round. And I said, okay, I'll let you go. And then he proceeded to tell me, I think he's driving north next Sunday or something. And then I'm thinking of the weather and how he got to avoid all this bullshit. And, yeah. you know, and I couldn't wait to talk to him again. So that's what we'll do tomorrow. Well, tomorrow when we talk, he can. I, I, I was very uh, pleased. He sent me a note, you know, we go back and forth about golf and, uh, the, you know, the retirement Sherpa. And uh, I'm not sure where this score lands, but it's one of the lowest. I'll say this. It might be one of the lowest scores I've ever heard him shoot since I've known him, and that's quite some time. Very Was interesting. The first one of seven? Mm-hmm. What? Oh, yeah. <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah, let, 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 let's let him tell the story tomorrow, but I can tell you, for a guy who normally shoots what he shoots... It was a very, very significant round. It was pretty cool. Wow. Well, you know Tim Niblett. Yeah. He invests a lot of time in his golf game. He's not thinking about his begonias. (laughs) No. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's the retirement chirp of Tim, a portfolio manager. Raymond James, a member of the Canadian Investors Protection Fund. If you have a portfolio, you want somebody to have a second look at it, Tim will do it. He'll also have a look at your uh, backswing as well, apparently. Yeah. He he demands. He demands. (laughs) If you want to start from scratch uh, with by the way, that's one of my Tim favorite. Also, the guy. Remember, he's both sides of the border, right? Yeah. Huh? Pardon me. I was going to say that's one of my favorite characters of yours. He the man. He the man. He the man. So uh, yeah, he works both sides of the border. So listen, Tim Niblett, he's your man when it comes to investing. Uh, RetirementSherpa.ca. So this story has to do with one of your uh, favorite songs. If not your favorite song, you know, if I were being consulted, like, let's say you're dying or no, let's say you're dead and someone, uh, you know, I don't know how I get into this meeting, but I'm in a meeting about what should we play at Fred's funeral? You know, what, what are some of the songs that Fred liked? And I'd say, well, you know, you got to include imagine in there. Definitely. Right. So maybe you've already heard this. You know, I'm you and I both look at the same sort of news. So Julian Lennon, have you heard this? Yeah. Ah, fuck. I was going to surprise you. Well, I should have said no. That's ah, okay. No? Yeah. For the sake of the show, why didn't I say no? Who cares? Uh, no, because we got to keep it real, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, as soon as I saw it, I picked it out. And I thought, oh, I'm. You know, usually because we don't do a show anymore on Fridays. 
you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, I'm always picking out right. little things. And I thought, oh, I, I saw this somewhere in, early on the weekend. I said, oh, Freddie, you'll love this. Um, so Julian Lennon tweeted, the war on Ukraine is an unimaginable tragedy. As a human, as an artist, I felt compelled to respond in the most significant way I could. So today, for the first time ever, I publicly performed my dad's song, Imagine. Let's just take that sentence for a second. I thought that was very interesting, especially the line, my dad's song, Imagine. I'm like, wow, you know, you think about all the Beatles and the fact that we all admire them and but it's just some guy's dad. You know, even if it's John Lennon or Paul McCartney, you're still somebody's papa. So that was interesting to me. And then I thought, well, I, I wonder if I'm going to like this or is it going to be a weird you know, version of it? Um, before I play it, I'll go on to read some more of his, uh, stri- uh, his thread here. He says, why now after all these years? I've always said that the only time I would ever consider singing Imagine would be if it was the end of the world. Uh, but, but also because his lyrics reflect our collection, our collective desire for peace. And he goes on to describe the, the song. I'm calling on world leaders and everyone who believes in the sentiment of Imagine to stand up for refugees everywhere. So before I play it, what did you think of that? I thought it was great because I always admired that. You know, if he'd have been one of these guys, you know, on tour singing his dad's songs, he would have had a pretty shitty image. Really? Yeah. Um, because, he listen, back in the early 80s after his dad died, he went, he, you know, he was criticized quite a bit. People thought those hits that he had right out of the gate were probably his dad's songs. Apparently, they were not. And he's he's put together a pretty good career. Mm-hmm. If, if you if you look at it, like as a record producer or whatever it is. Um but I think it's very noble that he never sang Imagine because that's such a precious song. And, you know, the, those comparisons would have been made. And uh, I, I, I think this is valid what he's done. I, I think the timing is right. And he has every right to sing it at this oh, point. Yeah. And, yeah. Well, it's interesting you say that because I agreed. And especially I liked I liked the version. I'm going to play it in a second. But, you know, remember at the beginning of the pal- pandemic and a bunch of celebrities I can't even remember who it was, but they got sort of canceled or not canceled is the wrong word. They got sort of a a lot of pushback because they sang Imagine Mm -hmm. a bunch of different people on Zoom. And it was criticized as too cheesy, too soon, too weird. But this, I don't know. I mean, I don't I didn't see that it's gone super viral, but it's a, um, you know, if anyone has the right to sing this, it's him. Sure. Especially under these circumstances. Right. I mean. I don't know. I mean, it's a sweet sentiment. I don't know that it will do anything, but it's a sweet sentiment, and it's an interesting version of it. Uh, and I'm, 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 what I liked about it is it's not on a piano. And it's not him playing guitar. At first, I thought it was. He's playing it in, in the video. You don't see him until later. But I'll tell you what you're about to hear is a guy's voice who sounds like his dad's. Imagine there's no heaven It's easy if you try No hell below us Above us only sky Imagine all the people Living 
Imagine there's no countries It isn't hard to do Nothing to kill or die for And no religion too Imagine all the people Living a life in peace You, you may say I'm a dreamer If you look at the video, even st- uh, is he older than but Lennon I'm was now? When Lennon died? Oh, he'd have to be, wouldn't he? Uh, I don't Lennon know. died at 40, and he's been dead for over 40. Yeah, yeah I guess so. Absolutely. No, yeah, he'd be in his 50s he'd be now. close to 50. But it's a pretty good version, and it's interesting. The first couple of times I listened to it, I thought, wow, isn't it, I guess, genetically, you got the same vocal structure, because... Yeah. And, and not only has he had a good career, Julian, as a producer, I guess, but he's also had a pretty good career as a singer. I mean, he can really... It's not like he's some kid that, I'm going to do Daddy's song. He, he's a musician. Well, that's part of it too. If he was singing it and he was, yeah, not very good, sing, yeah. that would be another dimension to this that wouldn't land well. But there's nothing about this that's wrong. It's yeah. all right. It's his dad, for Christ's sake. You know, my daughter and her husband uh, went to see Sean Sean Lennon when he was in Toronto, and they said he was good too. Yeah, I bet. Like he put on a really good show. Um, and you know, you're working from behind the eight ball, eh? When you're when your kids, when your kids of superstars, yeah, especially if you don't have any actual talent, I can't think of it. You know, I'm trying to think of an, of an example, but but he is definitely. I mean, I mean, this version is. Yeah, it's really nice. Uh, go watch it too. You know, it's. Uh, there was a bit of a buzz on that, and I don't know if, where it was coming from because I had played it before. And anyway, I hope you enjoyed that version, everyone. It's uh, pretty unique, and I like the guitar. I, I don't think I've ever heard it played like that. Yeah, and and all of the parts are there. I mean, he doesn't. It's not. And I also like the fact that he didn't do like I'm going to do my version. Like he right. basically just did the song, mm-hmm. which I like. You know, I didn't jazz it up, and he didn't Julian Lennon it up or whatever. The um, and remember back in the early eighties, what was the name of that album? Balot or yes, Balot. Yeah, Balot. Um, Balot. That song "Too Late for Goodbye" was a yep. great song. And the what's the other one? Sitting by the I forget the name of that song. Stand by. But, uh, yeah, it's too uh, too late for goodbye. That um, was one of his. Those were great songs, and I, and I remember at the time, people actually saying that, oh, yeah, those were songs his dad was ready to record, and he just grabbed them. No, is that what they said? I don't remember that. Oh, yeah, it's a pretty good tune. Yeah, I don't know. The, the Velot, this is too late for goodbye. I, I don't know the one you're thinking of, but um, this was a decent song. I mean, you know, again, you, you said it. Like, talk about being behind the A-ball, you're born to one of the greatest, you know, artists of all time, and you also want to be in that business. I mean, it sounds so much like it. Oh, absolutely. This could have been a Beatles song. Yeah.
and in a way almost feel bad because it's like it would be better if he didn't sound so much like Lennon, you know, if he sounded, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, like, an, uh, like, because it's whenever I hear these songs, I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that could have been John. And I believe this song was directed at his dad, if I'm not mistaken. It's oh so many years ago. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, um, one other point there, uh, uh, Sirius XM Coffee House or any station sort of like that. Whenever I hear a Beatles cover, you're always like, my back gets up a bit because... For any artist, the minute you go there, mm-hmm. you better you better deliver. It's almost like this built-in responsibility. If you have, you know, if you have the nerve or whatever you call it, the confidence to take a Beatles song and cover it, you you better do it well. Yeah, for sure. Or you just look silly. Is is this the song you're thinking of? This is his other hit, Valot. I don't really remember this too much. Maybe I don't. Oh yeah! Oh yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. Um, wasn't there a Beatles cover? Didn't a bunch of artists do an album a few years back where it was a bunch of like big time artists covering? Like they had Eddie Vedder and a bunch of different artists cover uh, Beatles songs. Yeah, and remember, remember the concert for George was yes. excellent too. Where and then. Um, in, I think it was 2012, the London Olympics, there was a rumor that McCartney and Ringo were going to play with Danny Harrison and um, Julian Lennon or Sean mm-hmm. Lennon. And at the time, people were, oh, why would they do, <clears throat> do that? But it made sense to me, too. Given the Olympics in London, mm-hmm. a one-off, that would have been pretty neat. Because it's, because have you heard Danny Harrison? Sounds like his dad. No, I'm sure. And Sean Lennon sounds like his dad. I think that would have been quite the spectacle. You know, I, I didn't want to get into a whole Beatles thing here, mm-hmm. but I, I found this video and I, I was I thought, I wonder if Freddie has seen it. It's McCartney, Harrison and Ringo from somewhere in the 90s prior to Harrison's death. And the three of them just got together yeah. and played some old tunes. And I was like, I wonder mm-hmm. if he's seen that because I hadn't seen it. Yeah, I've seen that. Like they were just two guitars and a drums, and it was just they're playing old, like yeah. uh, that stuff they liked from America, rockabilly style music. And I was like, yeah. where did this come from? No, I have seen that anyway. And I remember seeing it, thinking, oh, why couldn't Julian just walk in or Sean or something? And it would. I don't know why I'm stuck on that, but I just thought that would have been would have been neat. And yeah. I don't mean to tour and become the Beatles too. I just. It just, it would have been something. Opening night of the Olympics, I mean, you know, the curtain comes, you know, opens and there's the Beatles too, so to speak. (laughs) Um, Here's something you might want to check out later. I just, uh, because on the side of the, um, on YouTube here, there was the Julian Lennon video. And then it says, uh, Sean Lennon interviews Julian Lennon. At Lennon 80, I guess it was an event celebrating what would have been his 80th birthday. And this was just put out a couple months ago. Have you seen this too? No, but I've, I've, I've heard something similar with the two of them talking about their dad. Okay. Well, I'm going to send this to you and for you other Beatles fans. I think it was when dad, we'd this is just become the audio. a little closer. 
and I was living with mum and my grandmother. Anyway, I'm going to send this to you because I think you'd find it uh, fascinating. I think yeah, you already do, talk- actually. Yeah, they're talking about dad. Yeah, John daddy. Lennon. Jesus. I know. Uh, okay. Um, and if anyone else wants it, uh, just go to YouTube and look for Sean Lennon interviewing Julian Lennon. And uh, in the meantime, stay with us because we're about to interview, you know, a dad. Mm-hmm. This is a dad that raised two major league baseball players. And uh, Ken, why don't you turn your microphone and camera on? And let's get you ready. And Ken, hello. Yeah. Oh, there he is. Yeah. How you doing? Not can bad. How are you? Yeah, I'm not really great. The audio is not great, Ken. Uh, can you turn your camera on? Maybe we can help you out. Yeah, one second. I'm uh, just transitioning from uh, from home to the vehicle. So as soon as I can get to the vehicle, I will turn the camera on. Oh, you're going to be in your car for this, Ken? Uh, yeah, because uh, uh, Dalton's here right now. Well, there's a lot of stuff going on. Okay, and, well. Um, I, prefer, I prefer to be away from uh, Dalton and uh, my wife and you guys I'll just be sitting still so don't worry I won't be driving my yeah it's the the audio's you know not as uh, yeah. yeah no because of my internet connection so let me move around and uh, get clear for well you. maybe should we reschedule for a day when Ken can be at home <sighs> yeah I mean I, we don't like we're not really that professional, but we do have we, we we would like to be able to hear you and not have the whole, you know. We want to have a conversation with you, and it's kind of tough because it's it sounds very muffled and muffled. and not yeah, very easy to understand, Ken. And and uh, we'd love to tell your story, which I'm fascinated by, but the audio isn't uh, super de duper good here. No, we can't do this. Ever. I know. Hey, Kenny. Listen, man. Um, I'm fa- we again. We we no disrespect, and we want to talk about Palm Sports, but it's kind of hard for us to. Uh... No. Okay, Ken. We're. I tell you what. We're going to get Toronto Mike, our producer, to reschedule this, and uh, he's gone. That's fine. N- no, I know, but it's like mm-hmm. anyway. Well, these things happen. That doesn't happen to us very often. No, I know. And I'm, mm-hmm. I just wasn't going to do 20 minutes. No, absolutely oh, hang on a not. No, it no, wouldn't be fair to us. It wouldn't be fair to Ken. Howard, it would not be fair to the listener. Well, wait a second. Now there's now there's two other. Okay, let's see if Ken. Ken? Okay. I'm reconnecting. Is this any better? No. And, and, okay. and oh, yeah, and, and Rishi Sharma. Yeah. No, Howard, this has got to be done another day properly. All right, guys. Um, hi, Rishi, are you part of the uh, Pompeii uh, Palm Sports? Is that who you are? And you don't have your mic on. All right, guys. You know what? We're going to regroup. No, we can't, yeah. Howard. You know what? We're there doing. We no. Are you part of Palm Sports? Because I don't have you down here. Absolutely. I am part of Palm Sports. I've been the one that's been uh, going back and forth with you through the emails. Have you now? Well, I'll tell you what, we can't hear Ken very well. And, uh, um, 
and we're going to reschedule this because, you know, like, listen, we don't have very many standards, but, uh, you know, we'd like at least a minimum audio buy in. So why don't you guys regroup and we'll and we'll rebook you. okay? absolutely. Yeah. And we apologize. But honestly, we can't we can't really hear Ken and. And uh, obviously, I know you're part of the story, Rishi. And Absolutely. Um, let's let's make sure we get Ken's story. Here yeah, too let's. While yeah, we exactly. We want to yeah, make sure exactly. that we can hear and and we're and the audience can see Ken. For sure. So it, yeah, all the respect to you guys. Thanks very much for understanding this, but uh, we're going to have to let you go. No problem. We'll try Sounds again. Good. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Yeah, we'll try Thank again, Rishi. Right we'll, yeah, we'll, and Ken, uh, we'll get to a place where we can hear you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, I plan on it, right? Uh, it, it'll be a different time of the day, or are you guys just morning? You know what? You guys, we'll figure it out with our producer we'll because uh, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. appreciate the time. We'll All right, guys, this. take Thank care. You both. All right, okay, and, and Rishi, I definitely want you on the show. I think there's a real oh, okay. there's a there's a real fit for you guys here. But let's make sure people can hear you. Oh, okay. I see. No absolutely. problem. You guys enjoy the rest of the day. All right, Hope man. You have a great time with the next All right. guest. Take okay, care, man. Thank, Thank you. Care. There you Thank go. Thank you very Cheers, much. Bye. Take yep. out Rishi and. Rishi Sharma reached out to us about Ken Pompey. That would have been a good segue, by the way, you know, going from Lennon's kids to a... Yeah. I, I wonder, you know, especially, and I, I also wanted to talk to Ken in light of... Have you seen, I can't remember, have you seen King Richard yet? Oh, yes. You know, there's a lot of athletes that, and not that moms don't count, but it, it's interesting how many athletes had... Very driven father figures. Like, really, Gretzky, Tiger Woods, you know, the Williams sisters. There's a lot of, I'm sure there's others. I don't have all of them at my, you know, the Sutter family. I mean, there's, there's all these stories about how driven dads, sometimes to a fault, the children resent them later. But how many prodigies in sports are the results of a, of a driven father figure? And again, I know that moms are great too, but do you know what I'm talking about here so far? I mean, here we have this guy who's got two sons that made it to... I mean, I don't care if they're playing in the major leagues now, but they made it to that level, which is remarkable. Well, it's funny how we think alike, because that was one of the sort of storylines I was going to pursue with Ken, too, because, you know, there's that tipping point. What is it about some kids that are turned off by that and then others thrive under it? Because there's a lot of kids that might like a sport, but too much coaching, too much direction literally turns them off. Like, Mm -hmm. I've seen it, you know, and the kids really have to have a deep, deep passion for the sport to continue on and and then as a father like and you see your kids have this potential like what's your mindset like how much responsibility do you take on or how much theory do you have to consider that you don't do this to this kid that so uh, shows so much potential Mm -hmm. you know it's it's again some thrive and some are immediately turned off and want no part of it you know, I never saw it in my dad. My dad was really good at, you know, I, I had three areas of interest as a kid. Yeah. Golf. Actually, first was hockey. Way before golf, I loved hockey. My dad loved hockey. 
So we had that in common. Then golf, we had that in common. And then later when I got a little older, you know, my dad had been in sort of drama. So I had somebody I could talk to that about my interest in. But he never, one of the things I always respected about Lou Glassman, and I played at a pretty decent level of hockey. My dad never embarrassed me in the rink like a lot of dads did to their kids. I saw it. And he never berated me. We talked about the games a lot after, but he never made me feel like me just doing my best was not, was good enough, right? Like he didn't make me feel like I was a failure if we lost. And I think, you know, maybe he could have pushed me more. I don't know, but I always felt like he was just the right amount of encouraging without embarrassing me. Cause I think that turns a lot of kids off. And I, other than the, the one time I ran onto the field at Charlie's soccer game and I took my shirt off other than that time, why you, you don't know that story? Shirt off. Why did you take your shirt off? <laughs> you know, I'm I, I'm surprised you don't know that story. You know, I probably do, but it's just lost in all the. It episodes. was it was at the t- it was at around the time. You know, I don't remember when. You know, like the, some soccer team had won and they th- they they threw their shirts off or whatever. So I'd set, I had this running bit with Charlie, and as she got better and better at soccer, I said, and she was at the point now she might have been ten or eleven, and I you know she had never scored. And right. I said, I promise you, when you score, I'm going to run on my on the field <laughs> and die. You know, it was in a little pickup game. It wasn't a real mm-hmm. league game, and all the parents knew me. But uh, there she did. She finally scored, and I took my shirt off, and I ran on the oh, field. Nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right. it's still, she was mortified. I bet. Oh, yeah. But back to my point about Lou. Is Lou was just the right amount of encouraging without embarrassing me. Well, you know, and sensibilities, they're different this year. You could come down on a kid a little more when we were kids than you can now. Oh, yeah. For whatever reason, that's just where we're at. I had an incident years ago. Danny was playing minor hockey. He could skate like the wind, but I never got the impression that he was totally into the game, that he was thinking the game while he was on the ice. So I used to think to myself, how can I get that through to him? Like, you know, go to the net. Like, these sort of opportunities that are just so... Again, at my advanced age and what I know about the game, these opportunities that present themselves, how does he become aware of that? Mm -hmm. Like when the puck's here, be there type thing. But I I don't know whether he ever really cared enough or I turned him off or whatever the situation, just trying to encourage that. One day we're at the breakfast table and his game was later in that day. And I was just, I went through a few things with him. And I said, Dan, when you, you know, you go to the net or whatever my instructions were. And then I look over and Melanie's crying and he would have been like seven and she would have been nine. Nice. What's the matter with you? Why do you talk to him like that? Stop giving him heck. We're just (laughs) playing hockey. Oh yeah. Nice. Oh yeah. That's what I went through. It was like, what? What? I'm just talking to him. But again, you know, emphatic Fred. Oh yeah. Emphatic Fred. (laughs) Yeah. Emphatic Howard and Fred. So, you know, that, and again, you want to talk about a tipping point or a moment that, that changed thing. From then then on, I'm sort of intimidated. What kind of instruction do I give the kid? Or do I leave that to his coaches or hockey schools or whatever? But, yeah, it's a, it's a fine line. And, you know, I know, and I, I know half a dozen kids that were great, great minor hockey league players. And as soon as they discovered girls and beer, that was it. It was mm-hmm. over. Yeah, You know, they had a decision to make. Do I throw all my time at this or do I go that way? You know, I've told you this story, but I'll tell you quickly again. So I, I was 
You know, I was a very good hockey player as a kid. I was tall. Mm-hmm. I got, I'm, I've, I've been this height since I was 14 years old. Mm-hmm. I could skate. I was a good defenseman. I could handle the puck okay. And, and I always had a pretty good shot, which later mm-hmm. became, was why I learned how to golf. I, I was always good shooting the puck. And so I kind of got accelerated quickly because I was big and I played defense. So when I was 14, 15, I tried out for our midget AAA team and then it sort of was our junior B team and I finally made it the second year and that was the one it was a big thrill I played at the Civic Center and my dad was proud of me but I played about a half a season in grade 11 where I was on the road and going to different cities and it was kind of a grueling schedule and I was also being beat up <laughs> I, I was I was a tall 15 year old kid and I was playing against 17 year olds and it was in the mid 70s and there was fights every game and I finally said to my, and I know my dad was thrilled that I was playing for this team because it was a point of pride. And I remember coming to him and I said to him, I don't want to do this anymore. And I was worried about how he would react. And, and he couldn't have been more supportive. He said, listen, the bottom line for me is that you have fun. And I said, I think I would have more fun playing for my high school team where you just play against other high yeah. schools, you know, travel. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't get beat up all the time. And uh, I was always appreciative of that because I was a little worried because I know that he would have liked me to continue on. To your point about girls and beer, I I also remember a lot of guys I played with that were on that track to play the next level up and the next level up. And they get to high school and it's like, oh, this is... I'd rather do this. I'd rather not go to practice all the time and be, you know, training all the time. Well, you refer to King Richard. I mean, him getting the girls in the van every day and going. You think about that. The hundreds or thousands of balls that those kids hit on their way up. Not there's got to be something special about those kids that want to continue on. Mm -hmm. And I, I didn't get the impression there. It was intimidation from their dad. I mean, some are that way. And when you see stuff with Tiger and his dad, those old films, Tiger's like totally into it. His dad's encouraging. But there was a point in the day where it was, okay, Tiger, let's go hit some balls. It's time to do that. Unless Tiger asked. But then that lends itself to the whole, you got to be built a certain way for that all to come together. Yes. And nowadays, most kids, you know, even when it comes to chores and responsibilities and things, it's not really like it was for us. No. So you got to you have to think that being committed to a sport is even more of a chore now than it was for us. Um I don't know if that's overthinking it, but No, I I agree with you. Like I like to me I just I will say this. You know, again, I know we're two old men in our 60s, but I can tell you in my life, I never got into video games as a kid. They were just starting. I I I basically spent all my winter outside because I played hockey every day and I played and I was lucky. I've told you this. One of the reasons I became a good golfer is because there was two or three guys I played hockey with and we all worked cleaning golf clubs. We got a job. We got into golf at the same time and I've spent all summer outside playing golf. That was basically from age. I don't know. I was doing golf and hockey from about age 10 or 11 till I was 16. And I in the last year I played hockey, organized hockey was for my high school team. I was 16 or 17. But we didn't have, I think, to your point, it, it was easier for us because we didn't have any really other distractions. You could get full on into a sport, and that's all you did. And our parents could be a little more direct, a little oh, more yeah. emphatic than parents nowadays. We could. It was just 
you know that that culture has changed it 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 really has and you're out there to have fun of course you're out there to have fun but you know there's also a, a an element of yeah you're out there to have fun but you're also out there as a teammate you have a responsibility to your team and mm-hmm. you have to on some level instill that you know what i mean do you know what I mean, too, when I say my dad yeah. never embarrassed me in the ring? Yes. Because, yes, I, you know, as a, did my dad. Well, as a parent, I took mm-hmm. that to heart. Like, I never yelled when Charlie and Spencer, and Charlie played at a pretty decent level of soccer in Oakville. So did Spencer, but Charlie was more into it. I just remember that. I remember not, because I could still, I remember hearing soccer parents yelling at their kids. And I, and I promised myself I'd never be that guy to, you know, to embarrass her. Mm-hmm. Because my dad didn't do that to me. Mm-hmm. Do you remember that story? I um, I told you it's a hockey rink. It was a girls' hockey game years and years ago in Brampton, and these two parents started. They were right in each other's faces. Nice. Then the fist started flying. Me like an idiot. <laughs> I step in between them. Good for you. Well, because the scene was just so pathetic. I know it's crazy. My my glasses got knocked off. Yep. And everything. And then I went on the air and pulled the. And that was the power of uh, the edge. And in our heyday, I went on the next day and told you the story. So the next game, I'm standing by the glass, and this guy walks up behind me. Hey, the funny man, eh? Mm-hmm. I remember Oh, this. real funny, yeah. Telling the stories on the radio, eh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's the man. He's the man. He can go on the radio. It was one of the guys. Mm, he, he was the perpetrator. Nice. And I felt intimidated for that second. And even then, I'm thinking, my God, I'm in a hockey rink with kids. Mm-hmm. Not only did I see this thing the week before, now I have this asshole behind me throwing. Like I didn't know what he was going to do. And you're, and you know, soccer games, and it still happens, Howard. Oh yeah. Well, I was going to tell you it one thing about happens. one thing about moms. Mm-hmm. And I saw, I saw this one because you know Charlie got to the point where she was doing tournaments, and we would go to Kingston for the weekend. You know, I love yeah. that stuff. And I remember being in a tournament in Kingston, strangely enough. Where the moms got into it, <laughs> fucking, they got into a mom fight like that to be separated. And I remember thinking, these are thirteen-year-old kids. This is a great example, by the way. Yeah, that you're getting hey. this upset over children's, you know, somewhat organized sport. Well, again, another example, and well, I told you over Christmas or whenever it was, I was at John's tournament. And they had a in the championship game with like seventeen or thirteen seconds to go. They had a three-two lead. The other team scores and then wins it early in overtime. So it went from like thirteen seconds away from this this glorious moment in this kid's life. It's mm-hmm. just taken away, and I felt horrible. And I, that was with me for a couple of days. I kept thinking about it. But I know John, before he left that rink, had forgotten about it. He didn't give a shit. Yeah, <laughs> for the for moment. Him. You know, they went to the dressing room and all the kids, a couple of them were crying uh-huh. and they were upset. By the time he comes out and you buy him a Slurpee, it's over. Yeah. You, parents carry that shit. And that's why the, the fight starts. These parents are fighting and they're fighting over things the kids don't even give a shit about. Well, I think, uh, you know, not to drill down too deep psychologically, but they're fighting over. Th- they're already pretty messed up you know if you can get that well listen i should talk if you can get that worked up about it but yeah i will say as a dad you know i always erred on the side of you know i looked at my father as an example especially when it came to sports i 
The only I will say this: Charlie will tell you a story. And we, you know, we should do a. Oh, fuck, that would be such a good show. The four of them and you and I, and just Mel, Dan, Charlie, and Spencer telling stories about growing up with us. Because one of the things Charlie says, <laughs> she she remembers me. I don't know why she was taking piano lessons. I got I used to get so fucking aggravated. I really I'm at that, what at, at her inability to get the right notes. I didn't again emphatic Fred and emphatic Howard. Yeah, but it took me a while to find my dad voice. But early on, you know, sometimes I was you know loud and deep voice, and I would I, I would raise my voice in exasperation. Which, to, if I said it to you, you'd be like, yeah, that's just him. But you say it to a six or a five or whatever year old, and it was very intimidating. And she still thinks that she still talks about it. You know? Like, Spencer was a, had a little harder shell for that stuff. <laughs> I don't know where. Somewhere in the last couple of years we were talking, and she goes, oh, yeah, I remember you yelling at me. Yelling at her uh, over piano lessons. <sighs> I know. It's so tough. Like, nowadays, you're not supposed to ever do that, right? Raise your voice, or there's this whole sort of um, mentality that nothing good comes from that. But, you know, on some levels, I question that, because the whole world is built on consequences, right? And sometimes you have to get that point across, and Mm. you really got to be careful doing it. Well, I, you bring, you know, I, I, listen, it comes up in my relationship now when I'm emphatic. Of, I think I'm just being mm. emphatic and it sounds to, you know, the person hearing it that I'm right. yelling and I'm like, what? Um, by the way, uh, just a couple things. I was in Brampton a couple weeks ago for that ultrasound and I just thought of it now because I passed by a field. Something made me think of a soccer game. I had been there with Charlie that Brampton, Brampton women's soccer, I don't know, maybe it's Brampton youth soccer. There's a bit of a rivalry there with Oakville. Oakville's got like a hu- the highest mm-hmm. uh, amount of children playing soccer per capita in North America is in Oakville. But Brampton, whenever we played the teams from Brampton, they were really, really tough. The, the, not only tough uh, for like a, from a skill-wise, but very tough mm-hmm. physically. And I wonder, is, is that... Universal is like is are all Brampton teams sort of have a reputation of being, you know, I don't know, tougher or. Oh, Howie, I don't know, man. I've been out of it for. Danny hasn't played minor league sports here, and yeah, I guess you know what I mean. One thing I will say, I, I think the Canadian national soccer team. I think six of those guys are from the Brampton, mm-hmm. or from Brampton area, or in Brampton, or something. I just so. remember every time we Brampton was on the schedule, it was like, oh, this is going to be a tough game. Um, yeah. Just for a lot of reasons. Hey, uh, mm-hmm. I've got some. Uh, anyway, so we're going to reschedule the Pompeii, uh, Ken Pompeii. Um, you, I, back to the idea of I, I don't again, I don't know. This is I know that women do things, too, but um, I can't really think off the top of my head of a professional athlete whose mom was the main driver. I know I'm missing some. I'm sure I, I w- I'm sure there's a million. I just the, the famous ones are Gretzky's dad, Tiger's dad, the Williams sisters' dad. Obviously their mothers are supportive, etc. but the drivers in those things. And by the way, you made an interesting point I thought too about Tiger's dad. All the films you see is mm-hmm. of Tiger having the best time. 
Yes. He just looks like he's... When, there's nowhere on earth a th- when you see those grainy videos of four or five year old Tiger Woods playing playing exhibitions with his dad and his coach like he just looks like the happiest guy in the world right you speak of mothers uh, Howard there's many probably dozens of stories of mothers NBA mothers, NFL mothers. Yes, There's Michael Jordan's mom. On the, on the Blue Jays. Single mothers. Mm-hmm. That their kids showed potential in sports and the sacrifices they made to somehow get their kids channeled that way. Yeah, absolutely. Like this Alec Manoa pitched a beautiful game for the Blue Jays last night. And his mother, single mother, there was times where they didn't, you know, and I, you hear these stories. Are they glorified? Are they over the top? Whatever. But she tells stories of having to make a decision about her not eating on a certain day so she could feed the boys and then mm-hmm. hoping that she could make enough money to bring enough food in to feed the entire family. But her actually skipping meals to make sure that the boys were got the proper nutrition. And now this kid's in the major league. And I'll tell you, he's so good. He's going to make tens and Tens of millions of dollars, right? Yeah, you know, I guess I, I I'm, uh-huh. and what I was saying, and I don't, I don't want to walk it back, but what I was saying is that those are famous stories of, you know, sort of yeah. overbearing. Yeah, listen, mm-hmm. Jordan's mom, and there's tons of it. Um, and just mm-hmm. to wrap this little sports segment up, I thought I'd, I'm not sure where you are with this guy. I can't really remember if you're a big Bob Cole fan or not, but here's Ron McClain, who we are both fans of, uh, making the announcement for Bob Cole. And his Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, in just a couple of seconds, have a listen. It is a privilege to present the 2022 Lifetime Achievement Award to the constant, our captain, Bob Cole. Thank you, Ron, for those kind words. This is a very humbling experience for me. I have to thank the members of the Academy for nominating me for this award. I have been uh, very fortunate over the years to work with so many great professionals, owners, general managers. How old is Bob Cole now, Freddie? Is he? Uh, he's got to be close. Oh, I, well into his eighties, I yeah, would believe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's been retired for how long? Well, they retired him a couple, not that long ago, actually. Yeah. Although time slips away, maybe longer than I think, but they sort of angled him out of the Stanley Cup playoffs, and then he was done. It it was more uh, their decision than his. Was it really? I believe, yes. Well, mm-hmm. um, you know, certainly uh, tying this all together, I mean, all the nights I spent watching hockey with my dad, it was the voice of Bob Cole. Um, we never had him. We, did we ever have him on the show? Did we ever talk to him? No, I don't think so. Yeah, no, no, I mean, I, it could have happened, but I don't really remember. Yeah. Well, it, it, you know what's amazing, Howard? I have Leafs TV here, and sometimes I'll be flipping around, and it'll be a game from, like, 1987, mm-hmm. like in Bob Cole's the, the play-by-play guy. And then 97, he's still the play-by-play guy. And then 2007, <laughs> he's still the play No, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah. It really is. And while we're on broadcasting and sports, let me make this point. I had, I've had this written down for a few days. The Toronto Blue Jays, owned by Rogers Communications a company that owns radio and television stations. You know, a whole, you know, um, uh, part of their business is radio and television and communication. 
They have announced that their radio broadcaster, Ben Wagner, will do road games from a studio in Toronto. And this is radio. So he's not going to travel with the team. Now, this is baseball where you got to feel the ballpark and look around. And, you know, part of the play-by-play is observations from things that you're not seeing on TV. Ben Wagner, last night for the Yankee game, which was a great performance by the Blue Jays. They won it 3-0, enjoyed the game from beginning to end, called that game from a studio in Toronto. How shameful is that? You're paying players $20, $30 million a year. You send on the road all these reporters and stuff, Rogers, you know, so they can feed the television end of it. Great. You're doing a great job. But they come to radio, probably the best radio sport. And he's doing it from a studio in Toronto. It's just. And all what to save. What would it cost to send oh. that guy on the road for 81 games or no, sorry, for 80, a guy, 81 games. And uh, I don't know, man. I don't listen. I, I, I agree. It is the greatest radio sport still. Yeah. And it's got such a tradition of, you know, the radio broadcast of the Jays, even in the 30 plus years I've lived here. <laughs> but here, let's play the game that you and I often play. Okay, so we're in the boardroom and we're making this decision. Does not someone put up their hand and go, wait a minute, we're a communications company that we hmm. own the ball club. <laughs> That's right. And we make, you know, radio is a big part of our bread and butter. Do you not think this is bad for our image for all it's going to cost and all the other expense we have with this ball club and what we're paying? Do you not think that we're going to take a bit of an image hit by doing this? And then my and hand would go up. My hand would go up and go. And... uh don't we have a plane that's already flying these players around? Like, we can't stick this kid on there? Like, they do. They fly the... They, they're not... They, the yeah. blue, they're flying the Jays around anyway. Yeah. Why can't Wagner go with them? Like, it's... And he's in a tough position because he's only had the job for two or three years, so he can't say too much because, you know, he just... He's, he's not that solid yet, so... It, it, I, I don't know. It's just another one of those Canadian broadcasting things that just has me shaking my head. Like, you look at it from every angle and think, what are they thinking? Um, I don't know. I, I give, let me give it some thought while they're cheap. By the way, speaking of Canadian broadcasters that we do know that have been on our show, I don't know if you caught any of the TSN you know, pre-round stuff with our friend James Duthie. Mm-hmm. He's so Man. good. Man, he's good. He's good. The only thing I don't like is it's Duffy, Graham Dillette, who used to be on the tour and isn't anymore, and Bob Weeks, who, you know, if I could trade with anybody is in terms of a job I'd love, you know, sitting there at Augusta year after year talking about the players. But I, I do wonder this. If you saw it, it seemed weird to me that all three of them were holding microphones. I don't know why. I mean... It just seemed like, I, I don't know, I've never, I, it's so, you were so used to seeing guys with headset mics and it just seems strange having them hold their microphones. I don't know why. As opposed to what, headset well, mics? Well, they, all or? the golf announcers are yeah. wearing headset mics mm-hmm. like we have. You know, mm-hmm. uh, they're, built, they're built into the headset or they've got like a little lav mic or whatever, you know, like a, a little tiny microphone uh, attached to mm-hmm. their, their shirt. Sure. But other than that, because I saw it every day, I watched four days of these guys, and and again, did they all have mic flags on them? Yes, Maybe that's part of the reason. Yeah, part. Yeah, partly they did. Yeah. Uh, what what Fred's talking about is that, well, you know, I don't have it on here anymore, but you all know what that is. But um, other than that, 
which is one of those broadcaster quirky things. I, I was like, why are they doing that? Again? But I mean, Bob Weeks is great. Dillette's pretty good as an analyst, but I love that James Duffy. I was going to send him a note and say, dude, I just love, he's just so good at it. You know, he's, I don't know what he's like in other sports, but I just love how he handles golf. That's why he has a villa in Turks and Caicos. That is See what talent will do for you, Howard? <laughs> That's right. Um, hey, speaking of the 90s, here's a little song, too, for you. Um, so we, we do have another guest schedule. It's not really a guest. And Dan, if you're listening, I want you uh, part of this. Uh, we'll explain in a second. We're going to have our uh, a new intern, maybe. And we're going to interview them in a second. But first, let's talk about these fine folks. Uh, well, Bodog, your Maple Leafs uh, host the Buffalo Sabres tonight. Leafs have had a tough time with the Sabres this year. They lost the last two games to them. But tonight, the Maple Leafs, I'd say they're a heavy favorite. Uh, Buffalo Sabres plus 330. Oh, yeah, they pay $330 on a $100 bet. Uh, it'll cost you four forty-five to pick the Leafs. Unbelievable. Isn't that something? <laughs> the Leafs better deliver, huh? Uh, Bodog, uh, whether you're a sports better, a horse racing fan, a poker casino player, Bodog, your number one source of online gambling entertainment from their industry-leading odds, world-class sportsbook and feature-rich poker room to their fully-loaded casino and race book. They've been providing Canadian players with an unparalleled gaming experience since 1994. Yeah, lots of fun. Of course, the Blue Jays play tonight. You can wager on those games. I mentioned the Leafs and the NBA playoffs coming up. Oh, by the way, Sha- Shaquille O'Neal has picked the Philadelphia 76ers to sweep the Toronto Raptors in the first round of the NBA no, uh, playoffs. And that's create that's created quite a stir, Howard. All right. Yeah. Well, all this uh, dad sport talk started because uh, Ken Pompey was uh, scheduled and we had some audio problems, which, as you said, it doesn't happen very often. But, you know, there is kind of a minimum allowable audio that we can handle, and that would have been fine for a two-minute conversation, but not for a 21 uh, twenty minute conversation. But he was our Gig Sky guest of the day. And uh, like a lot of people starting to think about maybe already doing some travel internationally, and there really is no better way to stay connected wherever you go. It's affordable, it's convenient. And you, you get a, a feeling of comfort knowing that on your Android or iOS, you've got affordable mobile data, data coverage in over 190 countries just on your phone, ZSIM. You can download the app today, gigsky.com. Ruger was talking about some GigSky rewards. The whole plan is there. Enter this code, HF2022, and you get $5 off your first plan. Gigsky.com is where you get more information. And really, I, I mean, by now, if you haven't figured it out, I mean, we've got a bunch of Humble and Fred people that have used it, that have tried it. And if you're uh, still waiting to uh, decide, now's a good time to do it. Gigsky.com and HF2022 will get you uh, $5 off your first plan. Dan, are you not proud of us for bailing on that bad audio? Yeah, you could have done it faster, but yeah. <clears throat> we could have done it faster. All right. Well, no. 
No, yeah, I mean, no, I, re- I get that. Dan's he did right. The right thing. No, but it was there was some awkward moment there where Fred's communicating with me through some, and I, you know, I have to make we have to make the decision, and we don't want to be rude. Yeah, but we were getting frustrated, and it's frustrating when that happens. But you know. Yeah, you have standards on this show. Barely. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, not for ourselves. But they're standards. Yes. Some sort of standard of some sort you have, which is awesome. Hey, we're interviewing an, uh, an intern? Yes. Fantastic. Yes. Show needs an intern. Always has had an intern. You need an intern. Well, yeah, but times are different. That, they were always on site. Yeah. And we tried the Zoom intern... Uh, during the early part of the pandemic, before you yes, joined right. us, yeah, we had yeah. a Zoom intern, and it was he was quirky, and I don't think we ever saw him in person. Fred Schubert, whatever his name was, Shubes, oh, yeah, Shuby Dooby Doo, Shuby Dooby. He never, we never saw, we 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 had him on three months of his internship, never stepped foot in the studio. Yeah, mm-hmm. but Fred and I were approached as we have been from time to time by a prospective intern from humber college looking for some hours you know it's that time of year and we had this discussion with our producer toronto mike and we just came to the conclusion that you know we can't have i don't we don't need another person just sitting in the panel here staring at us so we're going to interview this kid but we've come up with a way to use an intern where there'll be some content created and they won't be hanging around all the time well, it's sort of going to be a trial, too, isn't it? Yes, sir. We're going to give the person a uh, assignment today, and they will check in a week from now. Yeah. And we'll assess the results. You know, we used well, to Mike, have... Go ahead, Mike. Well, uh, Mike, I was just going to say Mike Boone is is the producer of the show, but he's not around all the time, but he's in the background, so... That no, but this, this kid at yeah. Humber uh, prides himself in his production work, so that can never hurt a show if exactly. he's talented. And, and you know, yes. Dan, Dan, you were... You know, and maybe we don't say it enough. Uh, Lumby and I always talk about the best producer any of us ever worked with was you. Full stop. Never. I mean, I worked with John Massacar. I worked with Vercello. Several other people I can't remember, but I will tell you, in terms of your ability to produce commercials, man, nobody better. So maybe this kid, maybe you give him a little bit of direction. Um yeah. But I'll tell you, so far, you know, I'm supposed to be here three minutes ago. You, you Like, see? There you go. And again, who knows? <laughs> I know. Bad first impression. Like, no, it's just what I was going to say. Howard and I talk about this. If I was, you know, back when we were doing this and we were on trial or we were trying to get jobs or trying to get our head, you know, above the crowd, I would have been online. I would have been on there 20 minutes ago waiting. Yeah. But the fact that now, we're, maybe the kid's having some technical trouble, maybe. but that, that, that's concerning right there. <laughs> um, but let's stay positive for a second. Back to Dan. Yeah. Like, you know, one of the things that used to be a, a responsibility of disc jockeys, and it was my responsibility for every radio station I ever worked with right up until, you know, when I worked at Boom was to finish your show and then you go and record commercials. You know, I really loved it in my early stages of my career. I, I, I Dan taught me a lot about how to do it uh, through his direction. And, you know, I got pretty good at it. But that was what you did every day. You went and cut spots. Right. And so I would go in and record commercials with you. And I did it at several different radio stations. And I'm telling you, you know, a little aggravating, but very, very. 
Because the problem was, I'm impatient. I'd be like, okay, that's enough now. And he'd like, no, just do it one more time. And one just more time. One yeah. more time. And he would coach me through it. And I'd be like, okay, can I finish now? And he'd be like, just give me one more, Howard, just one more. But he was always right. And I don't say it enough. Like, honestly, Dan's the best I ever worked with. So well, if this kid... Not, no, it's true, though. Like, I, someday we should... And, and not stuff that you've voiced, because you're also amazing. But we should play some stuff you produced because it's just top notch. Oh, and by oh, the way, worked, I forgot Rob Johnston. Rob Johnson, amazing producer that we worked with at the Edge. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah, great well, guy. I'm in Batia. I'm in Batia. I'm in Batia. Well, but, remember Howard years ago um, at the Tin Palace, we used to have this Thanksgiving dinner and always a show with it, like mm-hmm. the Stricky Awards. We'd call yes. Them. Because the uh, the place was called Strickers, and Dan would produce a lot of that. It was amazing. Like it just it left all the trailerites just in total awe that they could be part of something so slick and professional, <laughs> right? It's true, yeah. Dan. Yeah, we did. We did, but we had fun doing it. And well, uh, don't say we. I, I had yeah. nothing to do with it, really. But well, you were part of the awards committee and came well, up with stuff. And those were back in the days where you could beat the shit out of somebody right on stage and nobody would care. (laughs) (laughs) I miss those times. Back in the days. (laughs) Back in the days. I miss those times. Well, okay. Dan Duran, let's get the uh, news underway. I just sent. Wait a minute. If we hear from this kid that he slept in, there's no second chance. No, I'm done. I have no interest in this. Can you imagine? And again, there might be a a thing, but it's just. Here's the thing. If there might be a thing, but I just I just texted our producer. I said, so now the intern hasn't shown up. <laughs> so if there were a thing, I'll tell you what, back to your point about if it were you or I or Dan. I remember this is now Moose Jaw. I remember having access. I got a part time job at that radio station. But what it did is it gave me access to the station yeah. all the time. And I spent my 10,000 hours, where part of my 10,000 hours was just hanging around. I'd get off the air. I'd come and watch Dan do his show. You get off the air. We remember, you remember you and me. This is before Lumbee. We would spend some part of the all-night show producing spots with each other. We were fucking around in the studio. We loved it yeah. so much. But I can tell you right now, if I were given an opportunity, as you said, you know, I, I, I would have been I wouldn't have been able to sleep. I'd have been so excited. Yeah. Meanwhile, so to to your point, maybe there was a technical issue, maybe got into a car accident. But then mm-hmm. you then your your responsibilities on the way to the hospital is you text the you, te- <laughs> <laughs> you text Toronto Mike saying, I can't make the intern interview today. Yeah. Or if he's having trouble with the Zoom connection, get back to Mike right now and say, you know, I can't make uh, a connection or something. Well, let's find out because here's Toronto Mike connecting. There better be an elaborate like, lie that he comes up. He better produce uh, some sort of. Uh, let's piece let's that, get that to the bottom line now, Dan. Here's Toronto Mike, mm-hmm. everybody, making a rare Tuesday appearance. I'm extremely disappointed because uh, I had a phone call with Kyle, and he was so keen and excited, and he seemed to have his shit together. And I just phoned him, no answer, and I just sent him an email. No reply, but yeah. it was locked and loaded. I just forwarded you guys the email, but locked and lo- loaded. He's in bed. Okay. Do you want to play a little bow dog here? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I bet you. Okay. 
I'll give you what uh, plus twelve hundred. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that uh, you, you're going with sleep in. in. He's yeah, in yeah. bed. Yeah. Huh? Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I can't bet against that because. Because what else That's could it most, be? The most likely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you know, it's what is that? Is that called Oxfam's razor? With the most uh, logical mm-hmm. explanation yeah. is the explanation. And we've told this story so many times over the years. Interns had come in towards the end of our show so we could interview them back in the edge days. And they'd say, yeah, yeah, it's pretty good. Okay, we'll give you a shot. Okay, Monday morning, be here at like uh, 10 to 5. Huh? Mm, yeah. <laughs> you got to be here at 10 to 5. As you and know, that, that's the last time you would see them. <laughs> Let me just say this, Mike, too. Another, another one, I've said this a thousand times now, but it's, I love it. Yeah. When these interns would say to us, we, we were working in downtown Toronto, right next to uh, the Starbucks at the Eaton Center there. They'd say, so where do I park? And I'd go, I don't fucking know. I'll tell you where I park. I park in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you don't park it. I don't. What, what, is there parking? I don't know. How about don't ask, Mike? What do you want to say? And I was then we're going to say, like, as you know, I don't normally deal with interns, so uh, I, know. I would have lost a lot of money on Bodog because after that phone call, I was a hundred percent sure he'd be like on ten minutes early and very like eager to impress. So he must have just slept through an alarm or something, which is not excusable. How do but- you do that? And again, let's hope he's not in the hospital on life support or something. We okay. No, I there. said that. If you're on the way to the, if you got hit by a car, you're on the way to the, in the ambulance, you just say, with your good hand, you text Mike. <laughs> hey, Mike. But I just want you to know I'm in a car accident. Remember, when I taught at Seneca, you know, it was the 33 factor. I've often talked about 33% of the kids were really into it. 33? Yeah. Okay, and 33 were only there because mom and dad wanted them to go to college, and that looked like the easiest thing. Sure. Well, maybe he falls into the latter category. He doesn't really care, and, uh, you know, he's got to, he has to do the intern thing for some hours, but. Yeah, but according to Mike, I, I, would, I would agree with you, except that Boone's uh, interaction with the guy, and, and Mike, I know you don't deal with him. The only reason I thought you should first is, like, you vet him, and if you think he's not a, you know, a dink. Oh, no, I, mean, I was happy to do it. Yeah. I'm just saying, I don't know what to compare it to. Well, because yeah. he seemed enthusiastic and on the ball. And, and to, to the, po- the point about Dan, in, you know, maybe mentoring the kid a bit is that he had an interest in production. I've mentioned that Dan is, the, you know, the best I've ever worked with. And what we were going to get him to do uh, and versus, you know, the other intern or even Phil just sitting in the panel on this Zoom meeting every day. We were going to get him to produce something. And then once a week he would come on. Play what he'd produced, Dan, maybe with your help. I don't know. You could have a listen to it first. Yeah, do a little vetting. Do yeah. a little vetting or mentoring or whatever. And then we would yeah. play it on the show. And that way we would give him his hours. We wouldn't have to have him just, you know, blinking. And listen, you know, I will tell you this. Early on, 30 years ago, our interns were, you know, Danger Boy, who became a morning guy. Pete Cuno, who became Pete Cuno. A bunch of other people that Bob will let who's become a programmer. But fast forward to the uh, podcast years. Hey, Freddie, we had an intern down. This was when you were on uh, radio yourself. You don't know the story. We had an intern fall asleep in the studio. (laughs) And just look at us like we were stupid. Yeah. Not only, by the way, not just once and not just Mm -hmm. one intern. We had somebody who came in for the interview and slept through. This was on 30th, who slept through the entire show. Mm -hmm. I think it was a young woman. Mm Mm-hmm. And by the time the show was over, Freddie and I were just like, well, that that can't be our intern. If you can't stay. Listen, I know we suck, but if you can't stay awake for a couple of hours to make an impression, 
the kid that fell asleep in that studio that you're in now, yeah, in his dad was a big Humble and Friends yes. fan. So I think his, his dad was thrilled that he was doing this, and he could have given two shits. Again, we'd... I remember sometimes we'd be doing the show and start laughing about something. He'd look at us like, "Oh fuck, you guys!" Are <laughs> yeah, well, that's some. Yeah, he's not. Just that look like. Yeah, what he's the not fuck unique. Are you laughing at a lot of people are like that who are here. <laughs> uh, all right, listen, Mikey. Thank you, uh, and I look forward to. Uh, bu- 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 by the way, um, should we tell Dan about this thing next uh, Wednesday? No, we should just do it now. Oh, tell Boone yeah, and Dan. Right. Yeah. yeah. By the way, did you not did you not like my response to the yes, picture yummy. you sent me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Fucking well, sends we me can a picture just, of his warts or some shit. Just to I used to get these sort of warty things on my hand. Dan, you saw them. Remember like those little volcanoes on my arm? Remember? Do you yeah. remember seeing them? Yeah, yeah. No, I remember seeing yeah. And then I they all were all biopsied, and then they had to be cut out. And uh, I've developed one on my ankle now that I have to have looked at. So um, yeah. So next Wednesday, yeah. The, the, the test is at 7.45 in the morning while we're producing this podcast. Yeah. So, Booner, uh, next Wednesday, it's just going to be, if you'll, if you'll have us, Dan, if you'll, would you, could you do me the honor? I feel like I'm asking you on a date. Would no, you do no, me the honor be, uh, of, be awesome. of co-hosting the program? Uh-huh. I'm surprised that you're including Fred in the whole thing. Now, why, why don't we just have him part of the show when he goes through their procedure? Well, I would love that, dude. <laughs> You, so I, I anyway, yeah, I could lie. be on the phone. And, and what I'm going to do, Howard, if you want, on Facebook, share that picture so people know I'm not bullshitting. Like I really have a condition because mm-hmm. that really is a nice. You can see this growth on my ankle, and it's like nasty. And if when I touch it, it hurts. And whenever it hurts or something, they always want to check it for cancer. Uh, so I'm going to have the biopsy next Wednesday morning at seven forty-five, okay. and then I should know within. Uh, four to five business days whether the foot has to come off. Okay. Well, you know what? <laughs> Fingers crossed. <laughs> Mike. Hey, Toronto Mike. Yes, sir. Mikey, um, I'm going to send you this picture. Would you? I know you're busy. You're producing 17 podcasts before we're done No, here, I'm listening but. to your show, actually. And uh, I didn't hear the part where Ken's audio was bad. So I actually phoned him up and said, I thought he forgot. Like, no. So two no. guests I've talked to tried to get a hold of this morning and then... I learned about Ken's audio issue. So, um, Mike Ken was on on the phone in his car, yeah. and it was just it was just warbled and garbled, and there was and and there was another guy on. Rishi was the other guy, but Rishi didn't. Uh, I didn't. Did you know Rishi was going to be on? No, no, no. Okay. But I well, knew let, this came through Rishi. So like, next time, let's get all that organized. Anyway, I've sent you the picture of this thing on Fred's uh, ankle. Anyway, he's so he and I are yeah. Go ahead and post it. But so Fred and I are talking on the way home from golf yesterday, and he's saying, by the way, some you know next week, and I said, well, that'll be fine. Let's just have Dan hang in and and call in if you want. Anyway, I get home and I he sends me a fucking picture of his. I don't even. First of all, I don't know what it. It's hard to tell what it is, but I I just saw it went yummy. (laughs) This looks yummy, Fred. The fuck you want me to do with it? Mike, uh, you, Mike, you're the producer. Do you not think we should post that? Do you think it's... No, no, too- it's fine. It's not that gross. It's, uh, no, it's let's not post so it. gross. This is real talk, Fred. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. This is a deep dive. Do a, do a, I a think we should... Joke. I've got some moles and stuff I need to have looked at. We should just post them all. Uh, anyway, so next Wednesday, Dan, if you'll have us, I mean, it'll be like we... And I, and I had the... I was thinking about it since uh, Fred and I talked yesterday. There's so many Dan... And Howard stories, 
and maybe next Wednesday we can tell a couple of how we how we met or how we worked together. How I the first time I saw uh, your bedroom when you were living with my friend Danny, all the porn magazines and and uh, our being roommates together, and you hearing me do my business. I mean, there's lots of stories. Yeah, yeah. How we've grown uh, over the years. How the how the girl I was dating found out we were breaking up because I had (laughs) she came over to visit, and you and I were packing up all our stuff to move to America. Oh, that's (laughs) right. Yeah. Fuck. (laughs) What a fucking asshole. We're really one of the. Biggest asshole moves of my life was that mm-hmm. this woman I had been dating for a year, off and on. You know, I, I guess she thought it was more serious than I thought it was. But anyway, yeah. she was. She nice. came over to visit. She's like, "What are you guys doing?" I said, "Well, I'm moving to the states." <laughs> She's like, "What? <laughs> what a hurtless bastard!" I know. What a fucking dick! I was a fucking Holy asshole. Cow. I'm surprised, but are we've you? matured since yeah. then. No, are you? Yeah, we should tell the story about. No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> We're not yeah, telling we, that story. We can tell hey, some stories. Hey, yeah. speaking of stories, stories we, yes, we we you mentioned it earlier in the show. You know our summer series that we're planning. Yes, you know, one of those having our kids tell dad stories might be fun. Might be a good segment. Oh yeah, you know if they would do it. Uh, what Fred's referring oh, like to, a, like a round table. Uh, yeah, like that's what I think we should do on Variety or something like, like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'll tell you, it would be fascinating. And I, you know, the one I'd be worried about is Spencer because she would just burn me. But uh, what the summer series is coming at? Uh, I think we've planned it for the week after Labor Day. It's really something. No, we've you been, mean Victoria? I'm sorry, Victoria, Victoria Day. Day, the May long weekend. Um, Celebrating Victoria. Right. And what we're going to do is we're going to present three new shows, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday for the summer, starting in May. So May, June, July, or June, July, August. And we'll pick this up again in September. For three days, we're going to produce a show as we always do. On the fourth day, it is going to be a series of interviews. You know, it could be us doing a a one-hour interview with any number of people, some that have been on the show, some that haven't. Dan might take over an odd show as well. Mm-hmm. The summer series. The summer series will be summer pres- series. Yeah, and uh, it'll be an interesting way for us. And yes, we're basically going to work one day less, but we're going to sort of make we're going to produce brand new programs on those Thursdays. It'll sound just a little different, not much, but a little bit different than this. Um, yeah, give our kids a few weeks to think about stories and prepare them, and uh, that could be that could be. That'll be a good hour. It, 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 it'll be embarrassing, but we yes. can take it. Uh, yeah, I mean, I know Charlie would. The, the only problem is, again, I don't know what Mel's schedule and Dan's schedule is or are. Well, but give them an, give yeah. them enough warning and because uh, we'll yeah, I'll let, it. yeah, if we doesn't have to be the first show. No, no, yeah. no. But I think we yeah. should try it. And even if, yeah. by the way, Fred, even if we had to do it in some segments, like if I had to. You know, get some Charlie stuff later or Spencer stuff later or whatever, but we could do it. Uh, Mike, uh, thank okay, so you very let me much. Tell the people who are watching the live stream that they can now see this skin condition of Fred Patterson <laughs> yeah. on the Facebook. So the picture's there. I'll disappear. I'll see you Thursday. Peace and love to everybody. Peace and love oh. to you, Toronto Mike. <laughs> You sweet mother effer. Here we go, Dan. Here's to a fella named Dan Duran, a hell of a guy with a hella big wang, the quintessential anchor man. His voice is nice and low. Dan Duran, the anchor man, comes as fast for credentials. He has none. Can't tell a headline from his bum, but his voice is nice and low. 
Dandoran the Anchorman's here He's prone to falling off his chair But he's got a big wang so he don't care And his voice is nice and low My voice is nice and low Dandoran News today brought to you by HealthGage The wonder that is the Phoenix Watch Rising you know, with Health Gauge, you can keep track of so many vital aspects of your day-to-day health, uh, well-being. It's a, a way to uh, help you share this data with your healthcare professionals, whether it's your blood pressure or calories burned, heart rate, all that stuff. Go to Humble. Go to HealthGauge.com. Put in Humble Fred HG for 15% off a checkout. That's HealthGauge.com. Today, sponsoring Dan Duran News, views, and commentary. And Humble Fred HG gets you 15% off now with the news. On the shores of Lake Shillong. (laughs) (laughs) That's new. That's good. Yeah. Do you get that, Fred? It's Shimong, but I said Shalong. <laughs> Here's Dan Duran. The propaganda machine in Russia kind of throws anything against the wall and see if it sticks. In this case, borscht. Last week, Russia's foreign ministry spokesperson said that one of the justifications for the special operation is Ukraine's stance on this beet-based soup. In an official foreign ministry briefing on Thursday, uh, this uh, woman named Maria Zakharova said that borscht is exactly, this is exactly what we're talking about when explaining the war. They even forbid culinary books. Why? Because they didn't want to share borscht. Because it belongs to only one people, one nationality. And for it to be shared for every housewife in every region and in every city to be able to make it on their own. No, they don't want to compromise, she Mm. said, calling it a sign of xenophobia, Nazism and extremism in all forms. She didn't mention pierogies or uh, Hmm. what is the Easter eggs that they do? The Pisanki is it Pisanki? Mm -hmm. Is that how I pronounce it? Yeah. You know, I don't, what's the big secret? It's cabbage soup. No, it's oh, there's a lot of beets. Beet soup, beets. right. Sorry, beets. right. Well, yeah. sometimes, by the way, it's sometimes made with cabbage. Is it? Well, I think so. Um, is it not? Is it I don't know. Well, my grandmother, Howie. who's Howie. Russian. I, I don't have those roots. Yeah, my both of my parents' parents were from Russia. <laughs> and um, the borscht that I grew up eating was cold borscht. I had never had it hot. Until I left home. Well, that's home. what it is, isn't it? It's supposed no, to be served cold. Not always. Some some oh. parts of the culture serve it warm, which is why I thought there was some cabbage in it. But my grandmother's, <clears throat> I'm, I'll tell you what, my brother Stephen, who's listening, he tried to replicate it. I'm not sure if David did, but it was it was one of those Jewish foods that I didn't hate and uh, still like like it today. But yeah, it's not for everybody. It's sort of cold beet soup with sour cream on it. Well, I love beets in a salad or roasted beets, any form of beets. But Delise a little while ago tried to make a beet soup or I guess a borscht, whatever you call it. I didn't like it. Just I didn't like it. And very rarely. I don't like it hot. Make, yeah. d- rarely does she make something that I don't like, but there was just something about it I didn't like. So when you don't like something a doll makes, how do you, bless you, how do you, um, how do you tell her that? Because I can back out of it. Yeah, because I'll tell you. I just, Sometimes Rachel will make something, and my default is, "Oh, this is great," because I'm just so appreciative. No. But you know, if it's not good, I mean, I'm, I don't, I'm just, emphatic. Uh, Fred just throws it across the room. Mm-hmm. Mm. By the way, <laughs> um, guys, crap. yeah, I can see that. This horrible dog. <laughs> what are you fucking doing? <laughs> 
What are you doing? What the fuck is this bullshit? Okay, so this kid now has entered the waiting room. No. What? So that's 15 and 9. That's 24 minutes late. Should we even... Are we going to... Well, let's see what he says. But I mean, of course, this, of course we're going to because, you know, we're doing compelling radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's ask the... Uh, so what do you people say? I don't... I'm not looking at Facebook, but what do you people say on Facebook? Should we let the kid in the room? Dan, monitor the response. All right. I'm and uh, and while you're doing that, I think Fred has one more... One more. Do you not have one more uh, sponsor to... uh... Yes. The Chambers Plan, the Chambers of Commerce Group Insurance Plan, Canada's number one group benefits plan for small business. I'll tell you, HumbleandFredRadio.com, our official corporate name, we use it. It's fantastic. It's never let us down. And we're always amazed at the products that are under this umbrella. Again, prescriptions and dental and travel insurance. Great travel insurance, by the way. But they have the Teladoc system as well. You know, depending on the level that you buy in, different therapies and what they can cost you. Now there's an HR element to it, a mental health consideration, which is so important with what we've been through lately. All sorts of testimonials to read at chamberplan.ca. You get an idea of exactly what you're getting and how it's worked for other businesses sometimes you need that right other businesses how did it work for you well it's all there chamberplan.ca all right well i was just looking at the uh just quickly scanned the facebook dan are you saying that most people are saying uh yes yeah bring him oh, in yeah. let yeah. the kid in worthy yeah let him explain oh we'll be cringeworthy i want to hear this excuse that's from Dave Little. Well, and you know what? I hope it's a good excuse because I'd like this to take the next step. I would like him to have the week to produce something and then play it next week. It'll be fun. So okay. I don't want to banish him as of today, I guess, unless we have yeah. to. Mm. Well, you know, <laughs> so what? Okay, so your your bet was that he slept in. Yes. I agree. It, would he admit admit that, though? I'm well, not let's sure just see. Let's, you know what? Let's take, the, uh, let's take a, a, a I, listen now. I, Dan, I'm going to go with scheduling conflict. No, he, he, he misunderstood the time. No, no, there's no way that this is a scheduling conflict. You know, well, okay. 15, 25 minutes later, I'm All guessing right. slept in. And uh, hey, Kyle, how are you? Morning, guys. How you doing? Well, let's see how you're doing, Kyle. I'm doing all right. Uh, I think you were right about that. I accidentally did sleep in. My alarms weren't going off. All right. <clears throat> That's unbelievable. I do apologize for that, guys. So let me just ask you, because Howard and I often talk about this. When we were first getting into radio, the very fact of being connected to a radio show one morning as sort of a stepping stone to a career, how I, I, I don't know if I'd have been able to sleep, let alone sleep in. Yeah, I've, just been, I've been incredibly stressed out with school. I've got so many major assignments going on. I was actually working on one for John Verchillo last night. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. Did you get that done or did you sleep through that? No, I absolutely got that done. I had to finish it. Uh, he calls it a clincher. Oh, does he? Yeah. So it's just uh, it's a piece of production that I've created. It's a piece of creative work that uh, I'll be sending off to people. Okay. Well, you know, can understand from our standpoint, you know, 
I don't know if you know. I mean, you probably don't know us, but we're just, you know, we, we really didn't. We don't we really don't need an intern, to be honest with you. Like we have a huge studio here. We used to have a lot of people coming in and there was there was room for an intern to help out around the office. But Kyle, we sort of thought, oh, you know what? We, we like John and you mentioned Vercello and we know him. And so we thought, OK, how can we? get Kyle on our show and we had a couple of ideas to have you do some production and then once a week you would come in and present your content and we'd have you know it'd be great but you know you can just from our standpoint like you know at 845 you're not here 850 855 now it's 915 and yeah I'm I'm sure you're stressed out and assignments and such but what would you do if you were us I would probably very much consider the fact that I was late but um, I think I would consider uh, giving me a chance just at least to see how I can come back from that. Okay. And, and what would you do to prove us? How will you prove us wrong? Uh, because, you know, they say, Fred, you know, the first impression is very difficult to... Mm-hmm. So how you will you prove the, us? What's you that? only get one chance at a first impression. That's right. That type of shit. Absolutely. You guys are right. Yeah. I will do my best if I'm given the opportunity to be uh, early next time. Yeah. And I will produced to uh, the fullest extent I can, and I wanted to create the amazing content for okay. you guys. Well, I, I was going to say, this fellow next to you, I don't know where you can see him in the panel, but the other gentleman here, the other man who's 100, is... Uh, <laughs> Like, I just wonder what Kyle's like. Why am I being berated by three guys that are 200 years old? But that guy right there is one of the best producers I've ever worked with. He's one of our best friends. And we were going to get him to kind of help you out as well, taking nothing away from John. So, Dan, what do you say? Uh, at this point, I want to give him a chance. I want to, I want to hear what his, uh, his chops are all about. All right. If he's got any producer chops, if he's got any creative ideas, all I right. want to see how that, that goes. You know? Yeah. That's I want to probe a little more. <clears throat> Understandable. <clears throat> Only because I, I don't like... So did you not wake up like at 3 and then 4.30 and then 5? <laughs> no, seriously, and think, oh, I got to no. be on with Humble and Fred. I got to be on with Humble and Thread. Because, again, that's what I would have done, and I think that's what Howard would have been done. Mm-hmm. Plus, one other thing I would say is if you're stressed out now and you've chosen this as a business, well... You know what? You're going to have to handle your stress a little better because you won't be able to sleep in while working for a radio station. You know what I mean? No, of course. Um, uh, anyway, I'm just going to be honest. And, of course, we're going to give you a chance because we're not pricks. Mm-hmm. I mean, we could, well, wait, wait, I mean, wait. We're good at being pricks. Yeah, well. but, but we're not going to in this case. It's just I'm going to be flat out and honest with you. I, I just absolutely cannot relate to it, like being late on the first time. But... Um, this might be a good lesson. It for could you. be. Mm-hmm. Shame. This is what I say. Shame. This, Shame. This is, this is for you, Kyle. Shame. Yeah. Shame. Fucking shame. Shame. <laughs> shame. I'm ashamed of myself, guys. Oh no, it's shame. not over yet, Kyle. There's more shame coming. <laughs> shame. Shame. Yep. Well, uh, Fred's on the fence. Dan, of course, Dan being the sweetest man, he votes give you a chance. You know, uh, an earlier version of me, I wouldn't even let you in the room. I just said, fuck this guy. But, you know, I'm older now and I'm not going to be around much longer, Kyle. So I will say this. Uh, Next Wednesday, uh, Dan and I are going to do the show. Fred's having a... 
I don't know, a boil. Procedure. No, 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 no. <laughs> I want to be here when he plays his. Oh, first. okay. I was going to yeah. say maybe he could produce something for the historic show, but I'll tell you what. <laughs> um, we'll give you until a week from today, then. You produce something. Dan, what are the parameters? A commercial, a spa, some imaging for the show. There you go. Some imaging for the show. Do you know what imaging oh, okay. is, yeah. Kyle? Absolutely. And are you up to this task? I think so. I think I'm up for it. Okay. All right. We um, consult about it, so you're not going in cold. We'll you know, mm-hmm. give you some parameters and stuff. Let's uh, let's test your creativity right now, though. Tell it. Describe your feeling when you woke up and realized you slept in. Describe those moments. All right. So the feeling first set in is, wow, I don't know what time it is, and it looks pretty bright outside. I was uh, I'm pretty shocked at first turned around saw my phone and immediately a heat just rushed over my body as i could tell i've possibly missed a great opportunity Mm -hmm. i see the phone call from mike uh and i immediately call him back hoping this entire time this anxiety is coming over me washing over me he answers the phone nice typical mike very cheery Mm -hmm. calms me down a little bit which was nice and he said that you guys are still going so i was relieved i was able to hop back on but i still had this rush of anxiety and even still i don't know if you can tell Mm -hmm. i'm not tip top right now well i like that kid not bad kid not Not bad bad. and i like let's all acknowledge that kyle kirby has a uh, decent set of pipes you know he's got some voiceover do you do voice this stuff or do you just produce it no i absolutely i uh, do voice stuff a lot as well i uh I can do characters as well, stuff like oh, that. Oh, so well, here we go. Oh, just like Schubert. <laughs> here, here we characters go. Characters or impressions? Oh, yes. Yeah. Are they, are, are, are I do they... uh, a little bit of both. Okay. Well, oh. oh, well, wait a minute. Okay, you're going? in. You're in. No, you're not in. yet. <laughs> Easy now. What happened to Mr. fucking Ooh, Patterson? Um, <laughs> hey, listen, if he delivers half of what Schubert did, I'm, I'm in. Listen, he's already made more sense than fucking Schubert <laughs> ever did. Um, what, uh, what is your best character? What is your best impression? Oh, best character. I'd have to say one of them is either uh, Mickey Mouse or uh, do you know the character SpongeBob? I can do it. Yeah, of laugh. course. Oh, you yeah, can okay. do SpongeBob's laugh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, That's pretty also, specific. I can kind of do Shaggy and Scooby a little bit as well. Yeah. Okay. And what about an uh, impression? Impressions. Oh, crap. It's been a while since I've done okay. a lot of those, actually. So if you just you just so you more, just threw that. Characters. Yeah, you just threw that out there, hoping that it would lay. It's so that's fine. I impersonate characters. Okay. Um, <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We're gonna we're gonna give you a chance. Although on Facebook they're like, uh, "What about the fans? What about what? All the the fans are saying. What do you? Should I should we ask the fans? Okay, uh, you people that are watching the Facebook feed, quickly. Do we give Kyle a chance? Because we're going to... I think we're going to. And we'll see what happens. Mike says, uh, he reminds me of my 20-year-old self, so I knew how to speak to him. I speak anxious post-secondary student. Are you? How old are you, Kyle? I'm uh, about to be 25. Okay, listen. Everyone, uh, so far it's overwhelming. Everyone says, give him a chance. Give him a chance. Yes. Nancy Ball, of course, the nicest person on earth, says give him a chance. Yeah, of course. Everyone says give him a chance. Of course we're going to give you a chance. We're not dick. Has most of your education, Kyle, been online? Have you been working from home? Yeah, majority of it. I've only been in person for the last two or three months, I think. Wow. What's that done to you? <laughs> not the best stuff. I can tell you that much. No, I can imagine. I've, uh, I've, been, pr- I've been pretty isolated and... Uh, 
the rooms here, I'm living uh, in residence, and a lot of these rooms are just beige walls, so I've decided to, you can see there's a tapestry behind me, I've decided to color it up a little bit, add a little bit of liveliness. Um, where are you, are you resident, like, is, are the residences down here by the lakeshore? Oh, I'm currently at the North Campus, it's oh, right North next Camp. to Pearson yeah, yeah. Airport. Like Fort, like Finch and... Uh... In the exactly. 420, okay. Um, before we college get- residents, you must have a couple of women in there with you right now, right? A couple of girls? Oh, uh, well, a couple. <laughs> it's okay, Kyle. Hey, we're from the 1960s. He could have a couple of boys in there, too, my friend. Oh, right. I'm, so- I'm sorry. Right. Or, or, or gender people. Or a man. Yeah, transgendered or even some animals. We don't know. You don't make assumptions. We got everyone here, apparently. He, he could right, be right, having right, a right. residential orgy. I'm sure. <laughs> That's right. Because I didn't, I know, because listen, the last thing we can afford is a guy going, I was gender, I was misgendered by the old men. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we continue with Kyle, Dan, I know what you're thinking. What's up? What's up with Bodog? Hang on. Cursing during your commute again. Do you find yourself living at work instead of working from home? Couldn't this have been an email? When it feels like all that's left is work hard. You know it's time to play. It's easy to find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Play free casino games, get poker tips, and check out the latest sports odds. Visit Bodog.net today. Hashtag make a play. Kyle's making a big uh, splash on Facebook. Uh, Sal, our friend, says, all we are saying is give Kyle a chance. (laughs) All we are saying. Mm -hmm. Here's somebody else, Dan, says, the leash will be shorter than Dan's pecker. Um... (laughs) Yeah, and someone else is saying, let's hear his Arnold Schwarzenegger impression. That I can do, actually. Okay. Oh, well, let's hear it. <clears throat> Get to the chopper. <laughs> okay. That's not bad. <laughs> I love that. That's funny. Uh, all right, Kyle Kirby, you've, uh, you've uh, redeemed yourself. And uh, tell you what, uh, we're going to just hang around for a second. Uh, we're going to close the show. Uh, did I forget anything? Dan, is everything done now? I think I don't know. I don't keep track of that. All right. Think, well, yes. I think we've got it. Yeah. Put this in the can. Okay. Yeah. Do you have any other instructions, Dan, in terms of production for the outro? Or do you want to? No, not yet. All right. Well, uh, we'll reschedule Ken Pompey. Kyle Kirby will uh, hopefully be hearing from him tomorrow. That guy that's been doing these videos, we've had him on before about floating down these rivers and. Uh, Mitch Azaria comes back with uh, another story of uh, mm-hmm. yeah, as well the retirement Sherpa. What what did what did the Sherpa shoot? And was it his lowest round ever? And uh, that's uh, on tomorrow's program, Dan. This episode of Humble and Fred was brought to you by Gig Sky, the Retirement Sherpa, the Chambers Plan, Bodog, Health Gauge. For Humble and Fred, I'm Dan Duran, and remember, listen tomorrow to find out more about Keen Kyle Kirby's progress, weather freakouts, and Fred's condition. Like and subscribe. Now jobs and jamboree handouts, two turntables and a microphone. Bottles and cans, just clap your hands, just clap your hands. Where's that?